0: Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by
1: wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingus shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert,
0: Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business.
1: So get ready because it's time to experience this.
0: Get
1: ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss how proactive customer service can increase loyalty why timing is everything, and fun with paying bills. Storms, responses, and forks. Oh, my. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. You may remember back
0: in season eight, episode 140, when I talked about the email I got from my refrigerator. In fact, it had updates on my usage, the number of times I had opened the refrigerator and freezer, the amount of water I had used from the dispenser. Well, as we've mentioned a few times this season, we're going to throw back to some old stories and update them in a different way. And so I wanted to share with you a new recent email that I received, this time from my electricity company, ComEd. The subject line was, what you need to know when the storm comes. Except instead of a storm, there was an emoji, the cloud lightning rain emoji. Fun fact, emojis in subject lines always outperform subject lines that don't have emojis. There you go. There's your marketing tip of the week. Anyway, the email read, Dear Valued Customer, Storms are predicted to move through our service area today. Stay informed with the ComEd mobile app. Providing safe, reliable electric service is our priority. But if you happen to experience an outage, you'll have easy access to information about estimated restoration times and more. Even though storm season is unpredictable, you can count on ComEd to keep you informed. With the ComEd mobile app, You'll always be in control. You can stay up to date on restoration status,
1: report your outage,
0: and more. Download
1: now. Well, hashtag emoji lightning bolt makes me want to download now. Well, absolutely. And
0: I, you know, I appreciated this because I liked that they were coming out in front of it. I liked that it was timely, right? I mean, this storm was coming today. So there's an email in the morning that a storm might be coming later on in the day. And I got this sense from ComEd that they had my back. And we've talked about this, especially through the pandemic, that this idea of wanting to do business with companies that have your back, that'll take care of you, that'll be there when times are tough. And you know, if the power goes out, obviously, that's when you want your power company to be there for you. So I thought it was it was really cool. Now, this story reminded me not only of the refrigerator email, but actually of an interview that I did six years ago. I had to go look that one up. For my first podcast, Focus on Customer Service. Yes, Joey, you might be my favorite podcast partner, but you're actually not my first podcast was partner. it's not your first. <laughs> anyway, I talked with Madeline Amin of Duke Energy. And she shared with me even back then that Duke was posting proactive alerts on social media before a big storm, and sometimes even during the storm. And the result, she said, was a big increase in trust, and customer satisfaction. And keep in mind, this is a utility company. Now, just as importantly, the proactive approach meant fewer people calling customer service and clogging up the phone lines during what is obviously a critical time period because they already knew Duke Energy was on the case. So while maybe a few years behind, I was personally impressed that ComEd was there attempting to be proactive by letting me know where I could find up-to-the-minute information in case I lost
1: power. Dan, I love the proactive nature of this message. And I think more businesses could be proactive with their customers. Every business on the planet has scenarios that come up with their customers. You're an energy company, you know there's going to be a scenario where the power is going to be down. You're a dry cleaning company, you know that there's going to be a scenario where somebody gets something and the stain didn't come out. There are these scenarios that we know are going to happen. And the question becomes, what are we doing to A, be ready for those and B, send those messages out immediately so that our customers know we're aware, we're paying attention. There's an event that happens. Happens every year in Montreal. And I signed up years ago to kind of get updates on the event. Uh, it looks really interesting. And the event is happening right now while we're recording this. I got an unprompted email from the event folks saying, hey, it's raining today. And here's the plans on where we're moving all of the activities for the event. And what was very clear by the email, because it had a graphic at the top, it was like this custom, very artistic stylized graphic of raining, is that they had thought about this before it started raining. So they were ready to proactively send something. I also love that they're proactively thinking through the fact that if you don't have power, how are you going to know when the power's coming back on? If you've got the app, you're able to, you know, pull off your phone and, you know, hopefully get on the cellular network and be able to figure out what's going on. But if you can't log on to your computer or flip a light switch and have electricity in your house to be able to figure these things out, the app is a much better solution. The reason this is particularly interesting to me today is because I was on a call observing a client earlier today that was talking about their tech support when onboarding some new employees. And they were having the, cli- the new employees write down the phone number for tech support. And when you think about that, it's like, well, wait a second, Joey. Why were they having them write it down? Well, because if you're having a problem with your computer, the problem might be that you can't even turn your company computer on. So they wanted the phone number written down in an analog fashion away from the computer so that if there was a problem, they'd be able to reach out to them even though they couldn't use their computer. And I just thought this was a great way to kind of think through the potential problems and how to be available to your customers in a problem if something has happened that they could have predicted would happen.
0: Yeah. And I want to share a, a sort of the opposite example. And this happened at one of the companies that I worked with. It'll remain nameless. But there was a point at which our website was down. And we actually found out that it was down from the fine folks on Twitter. Uh, In other words, (laughs) one of those situations, eh? Yeah. Twitter had the news before our IT department had the news. And I remember having this discussion about wanting to do a proactive tweet from the brand saying, hey, thanks for letting us know that our site is down. We're on the case. We'll let you know as soon as it's back up. Because to me, that felt like, okay, we're getting out in front of the problem will hopefully stop all of the tweets and probably stop people from calling as well because anybody that's now seen this, we could have reposted it on other social channels, etc. And that will help ease the burden on the customer service team. Well, the public relations team didn't like this idea because they were afraid that it would make us look bad. And they didn't like us telling people that the site was down. And I said, okay, but... (laughs) Would you rather <laughs> them find out the themselves? Down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, and would you rather them go to the site and, and get an error message and that's how they find out? Because to me, this was a, a cost-benefit analysis. And obviously, the PR team and I came up with different results of that analysis. And to me, you always want to get out in front of something if something's going wrong. And even better, as you mentioned, is anticipate the things that can go wrong. There's so many things that, as we like to say, you know, may not be your fault but are still your problem. There are lots of things that are peripheral to your business, the weather being one of them, that nobody expects you to control, but they do expect you to have a backup plan for. And I think sharing that backup plan with a customer is a great idea. There's one more thing I wanted to point out about this email that just stuck out to me. At the end, it had four different ways that I could report an outage. Now, remember the whole idea that the, of the app is that it's going to give you updates about the outage. But let's just say that I go look at the outage map and, and my home isn't there, so I still want to report one. I could do it by text and they gave me a, a number to text. I could go to the website. I could go on social media by tweeting hashtag out O-U-T along with tagging ComEd. And not last but not least, because clearly this was their last choice too, they gave me the toll-free number that I could call. And I thought that was great because they're doing the opposite of what my company did when they didn't want people to know that the site was down. They're basically saying, tell us. like, Go ahead, report it. We want to hear from you. Whatever channel you want to pick, we would love for you to tell us. And I thought that was super helpful. So think about ways in which your company can be proactive when it comes to customer service. Contact your customers, give them a chance to self-serve, but also provide options for how to contact you if they still need you. I think you'll find that people appreciate the honesty and the transparency, and they'll likely reward you
1: with loyalty. Surveys, reports, studies, and reviews. There are some great resources that look at consumer behavior to find emerging trends and established patterns. We dig through the data and bring you the key takeaways in this edition of Inside the Numbers.
0: Our mutual friend and fellow keynote speaker, Jay Bear is back with a fascinating new report that we wanted to share with you and give you our exclusive take. It's called The Time to Win 2022 Consumer Patience Study. And it's all about, as Lightning McQueen might say, the need for speed. ka Oh,
1: I love me a good Disney Pixar reference. Nice job, Dan. And nice job, Jay. Loved this report. Well, I thought you might like the reference, Joey. And while my kids are
0: now teenagers, I still have fond memories of watching the Cars series and many others. Anyway, the Consumer Patient Study looks at how speed is the most important ingredient in customer experience, how it, or the lack of speed, impacts consumer spending and business success, and just how far most businesses have to go to meet
1: customer expectations around speed. Some of the key highlights from the study include that two-thirds of customers report that they see speed as being as important as price. Additionally, the research found that more than anything else, customers hate having to contact a business two or more times. They want to be one and done, two, uh, beyond two, forget about it. And last but not least, customers do not give businesses a pandemic pass for slowness anymore. Okay? Those days are gone. We need to move faster. We need to be back up to speed. We need to be responding quicker to our customers. To tell us a little bit more about
0: this study, here is the man himself, our friend, Mr. Jay Bear.
2: Time is the only thing that everyone in the world possesses equally, and that's why we care about it so much. It's an inelastic resource. Speed and responsiveness have always been critical ingredients of customer experience, but now, it might just be the most important, as uncovered in the new research on consumer patience called the time to win. Turns out, when you go through a pandemic and everything moves online, our perception of time changes. Perhaps it's no wonder then that 83% of consumers expect businesses to be as fast or faster than they were before the pandemic. Speed creates revenue, and lack of speed costs revenue. One out of every two customers are less likely to spend money if a business is slower to respond than expected. It's because now, many times, we equate speed with caring, in fact, more than half of all customers have hired the first business to respond, even if they were more expensive. Consumer patience is down, and expectations for responsiveness are up. We want it right, and we want it right now. It's true for all generations, but the new urgency index component of the Time to Win research found that the least patient generation isn't those Medlin kids, it's the baby boomers. Gen Z is, in fact, the most patient generation, as determined by the share of people who expect a four-hour response or faster across all channels.
0: You know, Joey, I read some HubSpot research a couple of years ago about customers' demands for an immediate response time on social media. And I've always assumed that this would apply to any customer service channel. Their report found that 82% of customers expect an immediate response when it's a sales or marketing question. And that number jumps to 90% for a customer service question. I know we said there'd be no math, but
1: that's pretty much everybody, is it not? It really is. It really is. And I am not the math genius on this show. And even I can tell that we need to be moving quickly when we respond to our customers, especially when it relates to customer service. And I think in some ways, this is not a huge revelation for anybody listening. And yet I'd ask you to stop and think, how fast are we at responding? When you see an email come into your inbox, when the phone rings, when you become aware of an issue, a problem, something that a customer has that they're trying to resolve, how quick are you to respond? I don't know about you. Lots of times when I see that there's a problem message, I drop the other things I'm working on and turn to that. But the larger your organization gets, the harder that is to do. How have you empowered your team to respond quickly to what's going on in a customer scenario as opposed to let's roll it all through a process and wait for someone else on the team to jump in and take care of it?
0: I also think this goes to this concept of companies, there are some companies that want to talk to their customers, and there are others that seem to do everything they can to avoid talking to their customers. To me, I always felt, man, if a customer wants to talk to me, I should stop what I'm doing. Because without customers, we don't have a business. Like end of the day, there's no other asset that is more important than customers. Because no customers, it doesn't matter what the other assets are. And you know, I you and I obviously try to practice what we preach. I'm sure this has happened to you as well. But I once won a keynote because I responded to an inquiry at ten thirty PM on a Saturday night. And the inquiry came in, and five minutes later, they had an answer for me. I can tell you, they were very surprised. They expected maybe that I'd get back to them Monday, and I'm sure because, as you know, and in any business, right, you've got somebody that's probably reaching out to multiple people, and sometimes that first person back, as Jay said, is going to be the one that gets the gig, that gets the job. So this isn't just a consumer thing. I think this is a B2B thing as well, and I think it's just the right thing to do. With customers, right? These are people that are supporting your business, that are paying you money, and part of what they're paying for
1: is for you to be there for them when they need it. Absolutely. And you know, Dan, you allude to that idea uh, in your story about, you know, getting the keynote, that that speed to respond back to a prospect, is just as important as the speed to respond back to a customer. We had a situation, uh, as our listeners know, we just moved into a new house and there was a challenge with one of the appliances. And most of the appliances in a home, lots of times, the last person who worked on it will leave a sticker you know, on the hot water heater or the furnace or something like that saying, hey, if there's any problems, call us because they want the business again. So I saw the sticker and I'm new to the community and I don't know, but I was like, well, these are the people that put the system in. They probably know something about it. Let's call them. And what was interesting is it went to voicemail, which that wasn't a problem for me. I was like, okay, you know, I'm calling. Maybe they're just busy with other things right now. But the voicemail specifically said, if this is an emergency and you are an existing customer, we will be back to you within an hour. If this is not an emergency... We will be back to you within one business day. I left a voicemail a week ago. I still haven't heard back from them. Now, here's the interesting thing because they said they would hear that I would hear back from them within a day, I started getting irritated on day two. Had they never set that expectation, I might have, if they called on day two, day three, day four, been a little bit bummed, but I wouldn't have felt like they already broke a promise. Whereas now, if they call me, I don't even know that I want to do business with them. And by the way, I've moved on to someone else who did return my call.
0: Well, yes. And a week is absolutely unacceptable. I actually like that they set expectations, though. And it's something that I recommend to companies, especially on social media. Like, I'll get a question about whether I have to be, as a company, I need to be responsive on social media 24-7, And my answer is, well, if you're an international airline where passengers are traveling (laughs) 24-7, yes, you do need to be 24-7. That'd be a good idea. If if you are a local mom and pop store in your community that's open during business hours, no, you don't need to be available 24-7. But what you do need to do is put into your profile the hours that you are available. And then when you say that you're available, you better be available. So I'm with you, Joey, that if you're going to say, we're going to call you back in a day, it can't be a week. But I actually like the fact that they separated the emergency and the non-emergency because they've done some thinking about their own operations and their own capacity, and they've let the customer know ahead of time, here's what you should expect. This isn't necessarily in Jay's study, but I I suspect that, that when we help to set the expectations, customers can be more patient with us. When we don't set the expectations, or worse, when we set them and then miss them, then customers are understandably irritated with us. So if you'd like to download the report uh, and also view bonus infographics, stats, videos, and a whole lot more, go to thetimetowin.com and Tell them Dan and Joey sent you. True Confessions of a Call Center Agent. I have a confession to make. It really frustrates me that by the time a customer gets to me, They've usually tried several other places first and not gotten an answer. They don't really want to talk to me, and that becomes painfully clear as soon as the conversation starts. And that's no fun for me either. Thank you for calling Need for Speed, Incorporated. This is Phil
1: Mater-Smith. How may I help you? Uh, Well, I tried emailing you, but it said the response time was 7 to 10 business days. Then I tried your online chat system, but the bot didn't understand me for some reason. I even tried tweeting, and I was... Wait, you tried tweeting? Yeah, I tried tweeting. And guess what? No response. So here I am. I'm sorry, sir. I understand how annoying that can be, but I'm here to help you now. Well, thank you, Phil, or I guess rather Mater. I really appreciate your help. Next time, I'll just call first.
0: That wasn't much fun for the customer or me. They had to work too hard to get an answer. And now what they've learned is to call first, which I know isn't what management wants. This isn't good customer experience or agent experience. I sure wish
1: we were using Coveo. To avoid bad customer experiences and bad agent experiences, you need Coveo. Visit get.coveo.com slash experience this. That's G-E-T dot C-O-V-E-O dot com. Slash experience this to learn about creating an AI-powered agent experience to deliver the relevant personalized interactions that people expect. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? I'm not sure if all of our listeners know, but I send out
0: a weekly experience newsletter with articles, videos, and yes, promos of Experience This episodes. You can sign up, by the way, at www.cxnewsletter.com. Anyway, in a recent issue, I highlighted a fun micro-experience that I had at a restaurant in San Diego where I was visiting for a recent speech. But before I get to that, Joey, let me ask you a question. How much money
1: do you make in a year? (laughs) <laughs> well, Dan, isn't that a little bit uh hey, you know, uh, what do you got saved up in the bank? Yeah. Uh I'm not sure I'm excited to answer that question either. Exactly. You see, money has historically been considered an awkward
0: topic, whether it involves loaning money to friends, splitting an inheritance, or asking about someone's salary. And in all of our talk about customer experience, we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about money there either. But
1: what if we could make money into an experience? Well, you've definitely got my attention. I'm guessing you're going to take us back to that restaurant in San Diego you mentioned? Yes, I am. The restaurant is called Breakfast Republic.
0: And I must say, the meal that we had there was fantastic. But what
1: made the experience really memorable for me is when they handed me the bill. Wait a second. The meal was nice, but what you remember is the bill? That's the part you remember the most? That's usually the uncomfortable part of the whole dining out transaction. Well, it certainly could be, but at Breakfast
0: Republic, your bill comes attached to a fork. Yes, a real fork. And it arrives alongside a clever card that says,
1: fork it over. Ah, now I'm understanding the intro. I get it. Fork. Fork it over.
0: Yeah, he's not the best podcast partner in the world for nothing, folks. Now, Joey, would it surprise you to learn that when I got this bill with the fork it over sign,
1: it immediately made me want to tip the server more? It absolutely would not surprise me at all. You're tipping for service and experience And they just put you in a great mood with the sign and fork presentation. In fact, I'm guessing not only did it make you smile, made you laugh, and made you reach a little bit deeper into your pocket or I guess maybe deeper into your credit card when you decided to pay the bill.
0: It also, I might add, made me reach into my pocket to pull out my phone and take a picture of it, not just to use here in our podcast or in my blog, but to share it on social media and with other people. And we know that those are the kinds of experiences that, I mean, restaurants, you can't pay for that kind of advertising when somebody else is talking about you. And I, what I loved about this was that, I mean, all right, maybe it's cost them a little bit of money to print up the card, which is maybe the unnecessary piece of this. But This was not expensive. This was not operationally complex. Although I do have to say it was a little bit hard to get the bill off the fork, but eh, I'm going to overlook that. This was a simple change to a very typical tactical part of the experience. And it
1: was a magnificent change, which is why it stuck out so much to me. I also think it's great, Dan, because psychologists will tell us about the primacy and recency effect. And what the research shows is humans have a tendency to remember the first thing that happens in a series and the last thing that happens in a series. And what's crazy is in most restaurant dining scenarios, being presented with the bill is the least exciting part of the evening. Right? You're getting the bill. You're like, or in your case, I guess breakfast, where you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, I had a great meal and now I have to do the not fun part, pay for it. But by making that last part of the experience as fun or as entertaining as the earlier part of the experience, they end on a high note. I absolutely love it. Yeah. What's the line? Always leave them wanting more. I mean,
0: that's essentially what they did. And look, some restaurants will leave, uh, obviously Chinese restaurants will leave a fortune cookie or some restaurants will give you the bill and there'll be some mints. And I think that's a very nice gesture. It doesn't stand out to me as much as this. And the idea that you could make the customer laugh when it's time to pay really gets me thinking about, you know, hey, Joey, you and I send out invoices. All businesses send out invoices. We ask people to pay us. And what if we spent some time thinking about how to make that more pleasant. Uh, because what happened is not only did I get a chuckle out of it, but as I said, I was glad to pay the bill and even wanted to reward the server, who I'm sure has nothing to do with that card, with a bigger tip because they put me in a really good mood. So I think this is a reminder that with just a little focus and creativity, we can turn any part of the customer journey into a memorable experience, no matter how small, no matter how seemingly inconsequential, even the part when it's time to pay us money.
1: Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole
0: show. Yay, you! We're curious, was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts.
1: And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do, don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience Yes.